I got a claymore, four katanas, a bunch of daggers, and three guns. Nice. And a double bit axe and some sticks. And I'm pretty sure I could use my car as one. This is Control Structure Episode 29, Apple's Juice Policy for June 4th, 2013, with hosts Andrew Bailey and Christopher Thompson, with guest Matthew Petchel, and now the Great Red Hat Incident of 1995. So, uh, big week, everyone? Yes, very big week. So, yeah, uh, apparently we have uh, a returning guest on this show. Indeed we do. Uh, hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am good. Keep it in there. Who are you? I'm Matthew. Nice to meet you, Matthew. Oh, yeah, you're that guy from the, uh, the gadget, gadget Show. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. So, uh, how have things been over there? Oh, we've been really great in the Gadget Show. We've had, uh, multiple episodes this week. <laughs> Why? We didn't, uh, can't think of anything to say about how we're doing besides pretending to do shows. Well, you did have a few shows, a few extra shows within the past month. Yeah. Sort of. But, uh, hey, um... So yeah, things have been going on. It's summer, so uh, now it's at least light for the first part of our podcast here. <laughs> yes, that is true. Uh, for those of us who live nowhere near the Mississippi River. But uh, so you've uh, like seen signs that tell people to stay off the grass, right? Yep. Which I always ignore them. Reverse so, psychology, if you will. So, yeah, I've seen those too. Yeah, so apparently a few places over in England, uh, a good-natured campaign for England's National Trust, uh, there are signs telling be- people to keep on the grass and uh, to take photographs because uh, photos from this spot look fantastic. Hmm, and that sounds funny. And, you know, to tell people to enjoy the wildflowers and to spot the wildlife. And to <laughs> and to sit in places. And Please like do touch the trees or even hug them. Yeah. And uh, apparently like hedge mazes are reserved for fun and games. And keep your mobile phone switched on so you can Check in and tweet away. Okay, that one I don't necessarily agree with. Why not? Well, because it sort of goes against the spirit of enjoying nature. Maybe keep your keep your mobile phone on so you can tell other people about it. 
You know, nature's getting so overrated these days. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, there's so much stuff out there that can kill you. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, if you're not living life on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Yeah. I like taking up space. Yeah. On second thought, I do like taking up space. <laughs> but I like the view from the edge. Hmm. Well, I certainly do not like working on the cutting edge of technologies. Ooh, that cuts hurts. Stop leaning on that sword. <laughs> At the back end of the sword. Oh, well. However, my seat is getting cut up. <laughs> Well, you can only blame yourself. Well, so. anyways, have you heard about the Kickstarter for this week? Uh, sort of. Uh, apparently it's, uh, well, speaking of going over the edge, go over the edge of space. So, yep. apparently there's a Kickstarter for a space telescope called the ARCID. So, wow. So, and so cur- you, they're so, currently at $748,000 yep. out of $1 million. And, and they started, what, four days ago? Uh, something like that. Like, uh, yeah, four or five days ago. So, yeah, 26 days. Um, this is a really interesting telescope here. So, looks like they've, oh. looks like they've had uh, plenty of uh, publicity. And uh, for... $25, um, you can send them a picture, and when this telescope is launched, uh, this it has a small screen on it with a camera pointed towards itself. So, you know, it'll, it's, you know, pointed towards this one screen, and for $25, uh, you can send them a picture, they'll put it on the screen and take a picture of that on the telescope. Uh, with the Earth as a backdrop. Nice. That would be cool. So I'm I'm really wondering if I should do that and send them my avatar of the moon face. <laughs> that would be really cool, though. I think you would have to make it a little bit lighter. Mm, perhaps. But, um, yeah, I can imagine that some people from 4chan will take a screenshot of this Kickstarter page and do that. Ah, $25 well spent. Because yep. one, one of the pictures they have is Grumpy Cat and saying not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Ryan, I, are you there? No. Wait, uh... Squirrel, are you there? I am here. You're not very chatty. Uh... I, I don't know how to chat very well. <laughs> I've been working on it though. Just, so. just, just, just start saying random things. That's how I get by. But um, I forget at what tier that, uh, like, whatever asteroids that this thing discovers, like they'll name one of them after you. I think it's uh, five thousand, if I remember seeing correctly. Yeah, something like that. But. Um, Actually, uh, no, 10,000. Yeah, something like that. I think that was it. But unfortunately, 
like this organization is not the international astron like astronomy union or whatever uh, a scientific body that's in charge of naming things in space, but um, apparently they'll uh, vet for you and your name. Huh. So you're not guaranteed to get it. Right. And, you know, the IAU will probably put up some hissy fit sayings like, oh, like someone paid for this privilege, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, at least this thing was open for everyone to pitch in. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, you know, money for scientific stuff is always a good thing. Indeed. Yes, it is. Though I don't like some of the uh, tiers because, like, the quarterly briefing is only available for 1K, but not for any anything below or above it. Hmm. Very nice Kickstarter. Raspberry? 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 Raspberry! 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 So, uh, this week's uh, Raspberry is... Uh, you ever heard of Google TV? I have now. So, well, even though I don't watch TV, I've heard of it at least. So, um... Apparently, you can uh, turn your Raspberry Pi into a Google TV and, uh, with some Node.js, have it be able to be controlled from your phone. That's pretty cool. So, this blog post pretty much goes over pretty much every little bit of software that you would need to do it. And has, like, rather extensive, uh, you know, directions and little bits of command line stuff for you to run. Hmm. I'd have to try that. Yeah. So a twenty-five dollar TV. Well, if you could find a twenty-five dollar TV. Well, I mean, the Raspberry Pi cost twenty-five dollars, right? Yeah. So there we go, twenty-five dollar TV. <laughs> of, of course, minus the monitor and all the plugs and all that. Yeah. That that's not important. Well. Exactly. So, hey, did you hear about Visual Studio? I did. They have broken the cycle, it seems like. Well, no. But what? yeah, they, they're coming out with 2013. So, yeah, um, you seem to be the Microsoft guy around here. So I am the Microsoft guy around here. So, uh, what... 
uh, Visual Studio do you usually use? Um, lately, I've been using 2010 Professional Edition okay. at work, and then SQL Server 2012. Okay, so yeah, this uh, Visual Studio 2013 and uh, Team Foundation Server 2013. Uh, was uh, announced, it looks like it was yesterday. Um, so this uh, blog post here at the uh, MSDN blogs uh, pretty much goes over all the features that it will have, uh, features that other pieces of software have had for a while, but now seems to be integrated into Visual Studio. Agile profile management. Nice. So... You know, sort of like Scrum. They 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 added a voice, uh, kind of a chat program in there. Wouldn't surprise me. Oh wait, no, my that version control, my bad. <laughs> it, it looks like chat. Huh. Yeah. Looks really really nice. Yep. And and, and I I can't remember if it's this one, but there's. They, they, they were like talking about a version where it will actually correct your bad coding. Huh. If it thinks it can do it better, it will correct it. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, about a year ago, um, Cisco started complaining that um, the Microsoft and Skype merger was just going to ruin the industry because they're changing the ways voice over IP connections happen um, with the new video players. And so a year's passed, and Cisco finally got their day in court this uh, week. And um, they're just telling the EU jur- judges that this is going to destroy it and that they have to break up this monopoly. Yeah. Um, so this is all over the fact that uh, apparently Skype does not support standard VoIP protocols. Mm-hmm. So, mm. And you seem to be a little bit too loud there. Matthew. Oh, I do? Uh, sorry, I'll turn myself down. Yeah. Uh, how do I sound now? <laughs> Is uh, that okay? Uh, it seems to be okay. Okay. Well you're, well, you're the one with the little squiggly lines, so... What little squiggly lines? On your uh, recording software. Uh, apparently, my recording software is so crappy that it does not have that. Really? Really. So, have you uh, heard of Kim.com? Can't say I have. I have. He's that really nice guy. Yeah, that really nice guy that uh, got raided uh, down in New Zealand. So, uh, in case you didn't remember, if you remember that uh, one internet blackout over SOPA, and, mm-hmm. like, it was rather ironic that seemed like the very next day that uh, Kim.com's mansion was raided over suspicions of, like, piracy and file sharing and stuff. So, apparently, a judge down there has ordered the police to sift through all digital material taken illegally uh, from his uh, house and return anything irrelevant to their investigation at their own cost. So, uh, pretty much anything... You know, not related to the case, and like anything containing any personal information has to be returned to them. Mm-hmm. So 
this is a very good thing for him. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so some judges are saying that Google must start complying with uh, their national security letter demands. Yeah, this is uh, rather disturbing that uh, apparently the government can apparently get away with this. Yeah, they can just request that uh, all your they get all access to your Gmail stuff, and you and the Google can't notify the user that they've been looked at because they have to sign a gig order. Yeah, but well, uh, if I, I actually well, I'm looking at this from the other side. I honestly don't see a problem with this. If somebody's using these emails to do evil things, then by all means, use this evidence. Put them in jail. Okay, but that would require the FBI to at least know that this person is doing something. Correct. So, with that, it should be pretty easy for them to go in front of a judge and say, hey, this guy is doing bad things, and here's, like, some evidence we have. Can has Gmail? <laughs> and then, like, a judge could actually sign the warrant, like, what's actually supposed to happen. Yeah. It's just—it's crazy because there's already been like two hundred thousands of these in the last um, three years. So, mm. and most of them, including that gag order thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though. So, but interesting. Um, yeah, but um, the judge that was uh, residing over this encouraged Google to try again with more specific arguments relating to the ones that uh, you know they asked about and notes that two of the letters need more detail from the FBI. But, on the other hand, you could say that since these documents passed in front of a judge, that they are official. Mm. Interesting. Sounds suspicious. Yeah, though, how, how many people use Gmail? And I seriously doubt they're just looking at random people. Yeah, hmm. They sort of have to, like, get a catch on you, but yeah. but I'm not sure how low the bar could be for that. Well, are you hiding anything suspicious? That's not the question you should be asking. Yes, that, that is the question I'm asking. Hmm, depends on what your thing of suspicious is. I mean, I'm pretty sure that everyone on this podcast knows that I've ripped how many DVDs. Well, I don't think they need to go to your Gmail for that. I think they could just go to the Nexus TV <laughs> control structure, listen to a few episodes of that's the entire podcast. Yeah, because that's totally the way I back up my DVDs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw it all in Amazon's S3s. Yeah. So. Well, anyways... There was writing on the wall for X-Bone, now turned for Xbox One. I'm glad they changed that. <laughs> well, that's the informal name anyway. Yep. But come on, informal names. It's better to be infamous than famous. <laughs> so, like, apparently that has a lot of extra TV features, right? Yeah. But, well, uh... Yeah, saying many people who buy smart TVs don't use the web feature. So, hmm. you know, this sort of has implications for the Xbox in that 
You know, like the TV pretty much does everything that a TV is supposed to do. Yeah. So, you know, whereas, whereas, like, TVs and stuff can now, like, watch YouTube and Netflix and, like, do all these other things, but... You know, my DVD player can do that. Yeah, so... Mm Mm-hmm. So... But the Xbox One's pretty cool because I guess it can also handle um, 4K displays. Yep. And speaking of that, uh, Asus just launched a new 31-inch monitor that looks really amazing. Oh, they did? Yeah. Um, it's crazy expensive. I don't know how much it costs quite yet, um, but it's going to be out and you should go buy one. It'll be amazing. 3,840 by 2,160. Yep. That's yeah. that's uh, 4K resolution. So, uh, yeah, this looks pretty cool. It's the uh, let's see, like the furthest jump in display resolution we you know we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. So that's even uh, bigger than my one friend's favorite large resolution, which is like twenty forty eight by fifteen thirty six or something. Yeah, you know, eventually we're gonna run. We're gonna need bigger dash. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, soon. I I I love to see you fit four of these on your desk. Well, I have three twenty-four inch monitors, and they're sort of wide. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do with my speakers. They're currently behind my monitors. So. My, 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 mine too. So, and uh, speaking of this four K display. Judging by the viewing angles and the uh, the resolution of the color, that it will probably be an IPS display. So be prepared to pay over 4K for it. Ouch. Yeah. Can you imagine if you had, like, four of those on your desk? That costs huh. more than your house or car or anything. Yeah. Wait. What, what house costs less than 16K? Or to rent. Um, so, by the University of Minnesota, there are lots of incredibly questionable houses that you can rent for literally $300 a month, and, um, you'll be shot spending the night there. Doesn't so, surprise me. I've, I've seen housing next to universities. They're not that great. Yeah. And guess who lives by one? Sam Eberts. Who's um, that? Uh, he's the host of the universe, or the former host of the universe. The universe. <laughs> That's the universe. <laughs> so yeah, like I always remember my uh, brother, uh, you know, when he was living in Columbus. They always seemed to have this smell to them, and it was really weird in that the smell was always the same smell. And in retrospect, I'm pretty sure it was weed. Yeah. Um. I mean, especially it's, it's visiting them. Yeah, especially considering the all-natural crowd my brother ran with. Oh. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, uh, let's see. I'm not sure if the Taliban of open source lives in a place like that, but um, let's sure see. Was not. Well. I heard that he actually, like, lived in his office on the MIT campus for a while. Like, in his office, apparently. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, on his website, stallman.org, um, he pretty much explains his lifestyle. 
than what he's up to these days. So, he, around 1988. 1998. 1998. Yeah. <laughs> I was even registered to vote from there. So, yeah, he says that he uh, travels a lot these days, and uh, he's actually moved out of his office, and he lives at a separate residence in Cambridge, not far from MIT. So, it looks like he has uh, rather eclectic tastes in music. So, and he notes that he, uh, while he has a lot of red and purple shirts, he actually has shirts of other colors. So, and mm. apparently he doesn't uh, celebrate any uh, Christmas, any uh, holiday that any other anyone else celebrates, except for Grav Mass, um, which uh, falls on the same day as Christmas, which is uh, uh, Newton's birthday. Nice. Cool. So the Electronic uh, Frontier Foundation has uh, filed formal complaints saying that they are very opposed to having um, encryption standards in HTML5 now. Yes, because, uh, you know, Stallman says that DRM is bad. It is bad. So, yep. It's bad. So, so yeah, they have uh, filed this formal complaint. So it's not just, you know, them saying so. So, and apparently the EFF is on the, uh, I guess, like on the board or something of the W3C. Yeah. I hope they make a difference, though. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And I'm... Anyways, Amazon has announced login with Amazon based on OAuth 2. Yeah, so... Uh, now you don't have to create as many passwords for websites if they uh, will support this. So Yeah, but the question is, what happens if OAuth gets hacked? OAuth is like the protocol. Ah. So, um, like a lot of other services use this. Like, have you ever been to a website where it says, like, log in with Google or WordPress or something? Yes, and I avoid those sites because it seems strangely suspicious. So, and, uh, like, if you use those, it actually, it probably should pop up another window, like another browser window, and you can actually see that it does go to whatever site. So, as for Amazon here, that they have only announced this, so looks like they're still working on it. Yeah. Mm. Can't wait for it to come out. Yeah. It'll be interesting. So, um, Good Old Games, uh, which is a uh, online web store for, uh, well, obviously old games, um, has explained their strategy uh, with regards to DRM. Uh, they don't have any of it. So, uh, this company is uh, from Poland, and what they used to do is they used to, like, gather, like, all these extra materials and sell them with uh, their games. And these games would be, you know, like, other people's. They'd just be, like, the local publisher over there. And sometimes they'd be uh, localized into Polish. Mm. And they and they had uh, a pretty good success with that. So they uh, continued that tradition with, uh, you know, going online. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I uh, hear it's... Uh, yeah, 
like a really nice place, and it's pretty much the easiest place you can go to that offers older games. Nice. I have to go check it out because there's quite a few old games that I can't find anymore. So, yeah. um, unfortunately, these are pretty much PC games, though. Oh, that's perfectly fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, well, LinkedIn has just started implementing two-step verifications uh, through SMS. So, so to be more secure when you do that, because that's something you really don't want to get hacked. I mean, if you somebody starts messing with your LinkedIn... Uh, I don't know, make some face, fake universities and some other statistics up about you and post them. Yep. Um, although I haven't really heard uh, too much about people's LinkedIn being hacked. You know, of course, when you hear, you know, of course, when somebody hacks a Twitter account, everyone knows it. Yep. Along with Facebook. But, yeah, quite surprisingly, nothing about LinkedIn. So I guess it's mess, mess with their personal life, but leave their professional life alone. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I, either, either that or else, come on, LinkedIn, who goes there and views it on a daily basis? So, yeah, I get uh, messages from them about every other day or something. Yeah, same here. I'm like, yeah. I, and, you know, I don't really care. Yeah. So, uh, Linux Mint uh, is pretty much my favorite uh, Linux distribution nowadays, and the uh, the newest one, uh, Linux Mint 15, codename Olivia, has been released. So, mm. and it uh, offers plenty of updates, and uh, it also improves the UI a little bit. Nice. So, yep, and this is a. Uh, I think it's an Ubuntu-based uh, distribution, so pretty much everything on Ubuntu will work on this, like Steam. Mm. And Why would you want that spyware? <laughs> and I, I know what uh, Ryan thinks about that. I don't use it either. I, I used it back in 2009, and I haven't put it on a computer since. Like, oh. So, speaking of Ubuntu, they finally fixed the Number one bug. So, yeah. Since, since I know absolutely nothing about Linux, do you want to take care of this? <laughs> sure. So, yeah, Mark Shuttleworth, the uh, pretty much the man behind Ubuntu, uh, opened a bug, like, way back when, the very first bug on their bug tracker, uh, saying that Microsoft has the majority market share or something. So the premise of this was like whenever you would go into a store that you could not buy a computer or like any other device uh, that has all open source software on it. Uh, but he uh, has finally closed it now saying that uh, that has happened, even though it's not uh, computers or even Ubuntu uh, that did it. He uh, says that uh, with, you know, like mobile uh, things just dominating everything, uh, with uh, Android, you know, even though it's not exactly your first choice of Linux, it is definitely open source, and it has uh, pretty much changed the world in some way. Uh, so he has decided to close the bug. Hmm. You know, on an interesting comment, it's interesting seeing these iterations just changing the world faster and faster. 
iPads, Android. Before that was Windows. Yep. So, so. it's just faster and faster iterations. Mm-hmm. You, I think it's... I'm honestly going to say it's going to get to the point where tomorrow is going to be an entirely brand new thing and the day after that is going to be something even better. Well, Heck, heck even in, in the next hour, something brand new is going to come out and change the world. Well, but Amazon only does two-day shipping, so you can't change that fast. <laughs> um, Inst- instantaneous shipping. Well, pretty soon we'll have uh, things called 3D printers. Yes. And we'll just print it off. Maybe we might start thinking with portals. Ah. So, but... Uh, intru- you, you know, every time I go driving and I'm sitting there at a stoplight, I think, huh, they should install portals on the road. <laughs> so I could just keep going. <laughs> well, um, interesting that you uh, suggest, you know, things getting better by every day than every hour. Well, there's going to come a point where... You know, things will be happening so fast, the rate of, like, change and increase of knowledge will essentially become infinite. And apparently that point is called the singularity. Indeed. Hmm. I, I, I hope I'm I, I hope I'm alive to see that. Yeah. But then again, it might just all be a blur. So. Anyways... Um, Amber Case here uh, asks, uh, how did you learn to program? So uh, she's uh, running this one survey that asks, you know, where did you learn to program? And the one thing I noticed about this is pretty much everywhere that it is just assumed that the first computer that you have is the first computer that you learn to program on. So, like, I just want to come out and say that for me, this was this is not the proper assumption. Um, the first computer I learned to program on was about the third one. Really? Yeah. I was closer to probably my fourth or fifth computer. So, so funny enough, my first computer was actually a laptop. Hmm. Yeah, one of those old laptops that had... WordPress and not WordPress, pretty much <laughs> Notepad and the very first ex- version of Excel spreadsheet. Ah, uh, like That's Windows it. Windows three point one or something. Probably. So. And that's it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, what what computer did you first learn to program on, there, Matthew? Um, the first one I really started programming on was one I got from my old computer teacher. Like, the whole lab got new computers, and he was just about to recycle some old ones. And then I just grabbed that one, and, um, I just started putzing around with, um, building websites. And then from there, I threw the JDK on there and started with Java. So that was, like, your third one or something? Um, that was my first one that was mine. Like, I wasn't allowed to make changes to the family computer because of what <laughs> my brother once did. Because uh, there was the great Red Hat incident of 1995 <laughs> on the family computer. <laughs> and so it was a new rule that the children weren't allowed to change stuff on the computer. Hmm. Uh, 
So, yeah, I would have learned to uh, program a lot sooner if Windows had actually came with a respectable programming environment of some sort uh, and or the search engines didn't suck in the 90s. Mm. Mm. You know, the first time I learned Java for three years was a notepad. Yeah. So, but you had to install the uh, Java C in the JDK and stuff. That was already pre-installed. On the computer you were on. Yeah. Like, it didn't actually come with Windows or anything. No, it yeah. came with Windows, and it was already pre-installed. I don't know how many computers I've broken by changing the system environment to let me do the JDK through the terminal. Like, <laughs> I, the first time, I deleted the path variables, and I just put oh. uh, Java thing. And then everything <laughs> worked fine, and I restarted my computer, and it never booted. I had to really change some stuff. <laughs> you go to the end, semicolon, then put the directory in there. Yeah, yeah. well, I ruined that. <laughs> so, um, have you ever had, like, a blog and then tried to link your Google Plus to it? Because um, like, that's a thing you can do now. You can have, um, like, Google authentiship and stuff and make it... Everybody, every, link back to you when you Google search for stuff. Well, this guy in Jitbit says that if you do that, expect ninety percent less traffic. Um, I mean, this guy is crazy, and he thinks that when you do that, it looks less professional. People are going to click on it less, and it's just overall worse because it looks like an ad. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of disrupts the flow of the search results. Yeah. So yeah. Like, there's a few possibilities in that, you know, everyone's clicking the second one or whatever, because, you know, like, in this case, you know, it was searching for a macro recorder, then some guy pops up and is like, oh, that's probably, like, Marco or something. Mm. So, but uh, Mark Hode uh, disagrees and says, uh, no, it didn't, and your, your premise is totally off base here. Uh, this guy is apparently an SEO uh, guy that works in some firm in Australia. Um, he uh, says that the uh, click-through rate, uh, like Google Webmaster Tools, told him that its click rate was way down. So, you know, uh, like he doesn't exactly explain, like, how. But uh, then he goes and says, like, most people were clicking the number two result. And says, I have absolutely no idea how the author of the article was able to say that he somehow knew which results people were clicking on. But I'd love it if you could share it with me. So, <laughs> so, and it seems like, uh, like in some places, this result was actually demoted a little bit uh, because of some shady SEO tactics involving paid links and stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they say outsourcing is bad for your project and cost. Really? I'm not even going to click on the link because I can already testify to this based off people I work with. Though, I got to say, outsourcing is good to monitor nightly issues and fix them. But I would say stay away from the development. But they are also good for the basic work that you just don't want to do that's, like, repetitive. Right. And um, apparently, 
Uh, India is like on the other side of the world, so it's ideal for monitoring things during the night here. Correct. That's primarily what I use the Indians I work with for. So uh, this uh, post here, you know, points out that you know the upfront cost of outsourcing is really good, but that discounts all the extra cost that you need to do uh, because you know when people are in like another city, you need to write down and make this incredibly big document in order to you know specify you know like what everything is supposed to do and like uh-huh. what what kind of features it should have. Uh, whereas if there's you know a programmer sitting just down the hall, you know you can talk to him a lot more and you can show him oh this is how it's supposed to work. It's sort of right, but you know, you, you know, on, on that point, I gotta say, you need the documentation anyways. Right. But, so, uh, that it's, so that it's consistent. But the other point I don't see them highlighting in here is phone lines, video lines. Yep. Miscommunication. So, and... The, the, the language barrier, the culture barriers, holidays. So... Yeah, uh, I have never worked on a project that hasn't required some common sense or applied intuition, and this is one of the areas where an outsourcing company will fall down. Misspelled a word on your homepage banner in the submitted spec, the vast majority of outsourcing companies aren't going to realize that it needs fixing, or bother fixing it if they do. Hey, you submitted the spec, it's not their job to fix it, right? Yep. So... Yeah, we have a lot of those, so... <laughs> you know, they'll follow the spec down to every misspelled word. Indeed, it's so annoying. So, and plus, with uh, change management nowadays, it takes about two months for something like that to get fixed. Two months? If... We, 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 we have this ticket that's been going on for a year to get a misspelled word fixed. Yeah, so you can see how ridiculous that is. Yeah. But then again, I'm in the e-commerce business. You know, things iterate quite a bit faster. So. Yeah, probably. Ooh, they have never winter. Nice. <laughs> so, moving on. Yep. So, um, you hear things in the gaming industry? Besides GOG, no. Well, it seems like uh, things are getting tight in the gaming industry, and uh, apparently it sucks to be a QA contractor. So uh, someone who uh, worked on the QA for Halo 4 came out with a story about you know how he was a musician, and he even ran a small music agency, but uh, it like didn't really do that well. But he uh, apparently got divorced and things went south. And uh, he, like, apparently at one point all he had was, you know, he sell, he sold everything except for his Xbox 360. And then he moved in with his sister and started over. Okay, and how did this relate to Halo 4? Well, he eventually started looking around for jobs, you know, because this guy apparently has some music talent. That he started to look around and uh, apparently landed a job at uh, a contractor 
who uh, did uh, video game testing. You know, since testing is generally a good way to get in somewhere. So he decided to do that, and they're like, oh, yeah, nice to have you here. And he said it was fun for a couple months, but, like, the last two months was just a string of broken promises and lots of overtime. And, uh, like, apparently two weeks before Halo 4 got released, he put it in his two-week notice. Uh, and then ten days later, he was just fired outright. Hmm. That's cold. Yeah. Interesting. So he he uh, says, you know, there needs to be some change in the industry. So he suggests that uh, maybe QA should organize, like, labor organize. And, you know, like, uh, just one day just not show up until, you know, things get better. And things are never going to get better. Unfortunately. I mean, so... You know, they're contractors, so they're sort of disposable. That's kind of the point. Yep. So, mm-hmm. and plus, you know, if you're used to gaming news, that, uh, you know, when a company releases a game, you know, it's not exactly out of the blue when, I don't know, two, three months later, that company announces a whole bunch of layoffs. Correct. Yeah. Well, there isn't a shortage of uh, STEM grads. There's only a shortage of people in the U.S. who will work in Silicon Valley um, with the skills they need and the price they'll pay them with. Yeah, so, like, there's this rumor that uh, apparently there's not enough people to fill the uh, computer science and programming roles and stuff at companies. But um, it seems like that's not actually the case in that, you know, Silicon Valley always says, like, yeah, we want the best and brightest and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, apparently the best and brightest are kind of few and far between. Correct. And besides, the best and brightest aren't going to go there anyways. Well, there are quite a few uh, good programmers in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So, you know, but uh, the... Uh, you know, the uncomfortable truth that, uh, you know, that no one seems to really be uh, saying is that, you know, uh, hey, America, please raise the visa limit. There's a shortage of STEM talent that is willing to work for what we'll pay for that also meets our high standards. When it comes down to it, a whole lot of the world is better at what we need than you, and we don't feel like paying your mediocre talent what they expect because not everyone deserves a job and we have Samsung to beat. (laughs) Yep. Sounds about right. So, and, uh, you know, this, you know, pretty much centers around the H-1B visas and stuff. And uh, also, you know, also uh, puts out some unemployment numbers for graduates of STEM degrees. Though, honestly, if you have student debt to pay, you're better off working and making something than not working and making nothing. Right. They they just need to get off the high horses and start yeah. start working, and that in turn will improve their talent and their experience. I've heard like a STEM grad. I've never heard that acronym before. I the Wikipedia. STEM math. So what are you talking about? What? Yes. 
Yes, your microphone was not on mute. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. How is that possible? Anyways, the bolt, you did not mute your microphone. <laughs> oh, well. Oh. Are, are, you, are you tired of your motherboard catching fires while you crack passwords hmm. with your GPU? I can't... Try e- immersing them in oil. Hmm. I can't exactly say that my motherboard has caught fire. Really? Really? Why not? Hmm. I guess I don't crack passwords too often. Why not? Well, I've never been that curious. So... Just just think, a multi-million dollar account just sitting there waiting to be cracked. Well, the thing is, you also need to have the uh, hash that is behind it. You know, based off what I have seen from Uplink, the game, it seems relatively easy to hack bank accounts. <laughs> well, um, like what they're trying to do here is, you know, like all these high-profile attacks and password stealings and stuff, um, they're pretty much all about, uh, you know, passwords that have been hashed using MD5, SHA-1 and stuff and other hashes that were designed to hash really large documents uh, being used to pass hash really short uh, passwords. So, and uh, like these algorithms, they can run uh, really well on uh, GPUs, and apparently uh, Radeon GPUs in particular. Uh, so apparently people are, you know, throwing Radeon GPUs into computers and using them to, you know, essentially brute force uh, entire databases of passwords. So, and... That uh, sounds fun. Yeah, and this is, like, pretty much the same idea behind Bitcoin mining as well. Um, although, this uh, one guy says that, uh, like, he stuffed, like, four graphics cards in, and after about three months of nonstop uh, password cracking, that his motherboard actually caught fire. Three months? Yes. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so this guy says, I used to run a system with four 6990s, uh, which are like Radeon GPUs. I think those might actually be the uh, dual uh, GPU cards as well. So like eight GPUs in the system. Um Let's see, apparently this is uh, Jeremy Gosney, a password security expert who has uh, built far bigger cracking behemoths. Uh, quote, since it generated that much heat, I could not have it in a computer case. It had to be open air. But even running two 1,200-watt power supplies and having supplemental power connected to the PCIe bus, I still caught the motherboard on fire after about three months of continuous use. That was when we decided to sell our 6990s because they were just too much of a hassle. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, apparently getting a huge vat of oil and putting your system into it uh, uh, helps, you know, keep everything cooled down. Well, until you can start making french fries in them. (laughs) So, yeah, apparently the idea is to take all the fans out, and probably your hard drives too, you know, since, like, uh, then after that there will be no moving parts in your system at all. Well, well, they they said to use solid-state drives would be the best. 
indeed. So, or you can essentially use like sort of a cloud storage and, you know, plug your Ethernet cable down into the oil and have like a, like a, was it a NAS somewhere else? <laughs> you know, I could just see somebody else on the other end. This cable's leaking. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, apparently this, this idea of, uh, uh, putting your computer in oil, uh, has been around for a couple of years. And, uh, this reminds me of this, uh, one article from Tom's Hardware, uh, that essentially puts, uh, I think it was like an Athlon 64 with a GeForce 6 graphics card. And I think they overclocked it a little bit, but they used about, uh, 10 gallons of vegetable oil. Wow. So. As you may remember, if not, um, even though this is not the gadget show, um, I bought a uh, SanDisk uh, media MP3 player thingy, uh, SanDisk uh, Clip Plus. Um, I bought this maybe, I don't know, a year ago, uh, but uh, the stock firmware on it has pretty much sucked. Um, you know, I got it because my uh, old MP3 player was literally falling apart. Um, it had almost died like a dozen times. And, uh, like I had taken it apart twice and it's held together by duct tape. Uh, but, nice. you know, by all means it should be dead, but I will not let it. So... But, uh, like, the uh, battery door and stuff was starting to fall off because it, you know, used AAA batteries, which, you know, I kind of actually liked. But, um, apparently mm. this thing here supports uh, my new favorite file format, uh, FLAC. So, you know, I can pretty much, you know, rip CDs in, like, their highest quality and put them on here. Nice. But the thing about the firmware is that it kind of sucks, and after a while it just sort of decays for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why, but it just does. Mm. So, like, the first thing that happened uh, was I noticed that, uh, you know, when you turn it on, it should automatically resume from where you turned it off. But at one point, it didn't do that. So, and like, I've... I forget what exactly the thing it was that made me reformat it. Oh, right, yes. So, another thing is when you turn it on after you have like put more music on it, 
it'll have to rescan the database. Uh, so that can take upwards of like five minutes because I have a 32 gigabyte SD card in here. So, um, you know, it, it might take a little while. And then, like, one day I turned it on and it said, hey, you need to free up more space. Uh, please free up 90 megs for the database. And which was kind of a problem because when I plugged it into the computer, it started to turn on and it said that exact same thing. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't really delete anything from it. But... Uh, but I eventually got it hooked up, and I reflashed, and everything was back to normal. Up until about two weeks ago, uh, when it decided to do the same thing, I managed to, you know, get that fixed again. But then it decided to rescan the database every time I turned it on, whether or not I had put files on or off of it. So, like, each time I turned it on, I had to wait five minutes in order for it to start playing anything. Weird. So... Uh, I, 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 the, the programming just sounds... It sounds like you deleted a config file or something. Maybe, but I didn't. Because I pretty much only uh, put the songs on the uh, SD card, since that's like the bigger one. The internal memory on this is only like 4 gigs or something. So, um, like I put the Rockbox firmware on it. It's like a third-party MP3 player uh, software. And it supports tons of players. It supports iPods and a whole bunch of other uh, company companies, uh, MP3 players. But um, I put it on here, and uh, it seems like the thing goes into sleep mode, because this is how fast it starts up. See? That's pretty cool. Nice. Okay, so... Yeah, it starts up in, like, a second or so. Oh, cool. So, and it also has, like, a bunch of uh, themes and inter uh, interface skins you can put on it. So, like, when I'm driving down the freeway or something, um, like, the default font on it is really small. So I was able to, like, put a theme on there that was, like, designed for old people. So it has, like, a bunch of big fonts on it. <laughs> So, yeah, if you uh, have a, a player that supports uh, Rockbox, I suggest you check it out. You know, I'm still proud I do not own a single MP3 player. Well, yeah, pretty much because your phone can do that. Yep. So, have you had any problems with your phone? Nope. Well, good. So. And the phone is about three years old now. Yeah, because I, I remember that one Blackberry that you had. In, oh, uh, in... I still have that thing. You know, the case will no longer fit on and the battery will no longer fit in because <laughs> the battery has expanded so much. Really? Yes. It hasn't battery caught... do that? It hasn't caught fire? I'm surprised it hasn't exploded and it's sitting there in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I should throw that thing away, but I'm just curious, because it just keeps getting thicker each year, and thicker and thicker and thicker. Huh. That's weird. I guess the Blackberry is growing. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting a little chubby, though. <laughs> so, uh, Ian uh, sent us some feedback. Nothing from Ryan? 
Well, no, he said he's working on something else, like he's spending credits or something. Uh, I'll have to ask him later. He says audible uh, credits. Yeah, so sad. So, um, Ian says that uh, maybe that high school senior is just an idiot, uh, referring to the high school graduate who cannot uh, address a letter properly. He says, I do not take pride in putting my handwriting on anything. My handwriting is atrocious. <laughs> so. Also it, says, Pop is bad for you. Maybe they're just looking out for your health. No more free soda. Yeah, that's uh, with regards to that article that uh, the one company stopped providing free soda to everyone. Yeah. But then they should at least provide free snacks like apple. They could also provide juice, but no, they Wait. just said. I'm I'm not sure what Apple's juice policy is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, that's that's going up there in the titles. Yep. So, um, Ted Nelson, uh, that one guy who uh, had those one-liners about computing, uh, Ian says that if Ted does not like hierarchical folder structures, what does he want us to use? I can't imagine any other system. How would I organize and find my stuff? Well, I think we might have mentioned this, but uh, apparently... We, we did. Apparently, Ted advocates organizing files and information by associating it with other things, uh, supposedly how humans organize things. So, essentially, think tags and links to other things. Like, this is a podcast. This is the Nexus.tv. You are Squirrel. This is Andrew, and this is Chris. Yeah, and uh, so you could essentially uh, go to, like, my podcast collection or something, and you could find this show in there. You could also... that everything would also be linked to the Nexus as well. You, you know, there's a program that does this that I use for quite some time called yeah. The Brain. Yeah, it's something like that, I think. And and it, it, it emulates the human brain in where you create connections to other things. Yeah. Very, very nice. Uh, but imagine that as your file system. So, yeah, it's... You know, I personally like hierarchical folders. You know, it's pretty useful, easy to get around. Yeah, and, but and that's, because, that's because you're used to it. Yes, and it's all, it is a whole lot better than just a pile of junk. So, but, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to use a system that, uh, you know, essentially does that. So, um, uh, Ian also suggests... Uh, that the excuse be, I don't watch cyber TV. Uh, speaking of the fact that when you say cyber, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So if you say, I don't watch cyber TV, then you could doubly know, not know anything about it. <laughs> so uh, just during the course of normal conversation with another Chris, um, he suggested another excuse and that is, I'm going to rehab for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then uh, we had read off the uh, nicknames uh, at the start of the show, and Ian says that no one looks at that wiki. 
And I say, it doesn't matter, because it can still be a reference. Yep. So, I want to send out a thank you to Lukash uh, for his chiptunes. I uh, found uh, these on Gemendo quite a while ago, and uh, I think it might have been three weeks ago that I emailed him and asked him, hey, can I use your stuff on my podcast? And he said, sure, uh, just as long as you give me a shout-out. So, hi. Thanks again for the chip tones. tunes. So, yeah, I meant to do that last week, and uh, pretty much all the uh, music you heard uh, on last week's episode was from him. Okay. So, and if you like our music, if you like what we talk about, if you don't, and, uh, you know, or if you just want to say hi, uh, don't forget to uh, submit using the contact on the nexus.tv. So, and don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day. So keep on and backing up your stuff. Yep. And don't forget to delete the old stuff. So, or update it. So. Mm, just make sure you delete the illegal stuff at least. <laughs> or uh, don't uh, store it in your Gmail account where the FBI can, like, NSL that. Uh oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, and uh, there's another thing that I'll probably be checking out this week. Um, I forget what it's called. But, hi, uh, Mom? Well, not that, but yeah, hi, Mom. Um, like, it's uh, some sort of Linux-based, uh, uh, like, cloud storage client that uh, uh, does, like, pretty much all the cloud storage services. Interesting. Uh, storage made easy. So hmm. that's SME. So apparently, this uh, thing does a lot of uh, you know pretty much every available uh, file service out there. So apparently, it has a version that will run on Linux. So I'll definitely be trying that out. So I can you know pretty much put things into a folder. And have everything just magically appear everywhere. <laughs> so, cool. yeah. So, what are you guys going to be up to this week? Um, studying for my new job title. Oh, what are you being promoted to? I wouldn't say it's promoted. I'm being trained into per my request. On application DBA. Nice. Yep. So, um, speaking of uh, uh, job situation stuff, um, after six months, I am now going on full time at We Do Commerce. So, congratulations! I will no longer be a contractor. I'll be a permanent employee because this is the best place I've ever worked at. Cool. So, so yay, yay for employment! Do they still offer free soda? Uh, I don't think they've ever offered free soda. You should get the, You should get on that. But in the time that I've been there, you know, if we you know have a really busy week or something, that you know uh, suddenly we'll have like company provided lunch. Yeah, so, you know, I have that too at my place occasionally. Well, I mean, like sometimes it's like once a month or something. Huh. So, yeah. 
It's not all that bad. Well, congratulations on becoming a full-time employee. So, you are ahead of me, so congratulations. Just remembered, you're not going to be the first person to get laid off. That's true. So we, uh, I think we're uh, hiring a few more people, though. I think it's, most, I think it's mostly for graphic design. Uh, so J- Java region? No. Uh, unfortunately, we don't uh, really do Java or .NET or really any database. So anything that you just sit there. Well, sit there in. Uh, let's see, like the platform that we use is generally based on JavaScript, and uh, we also there's like other parts that are essentially like uh, flowcharts. So we like connect nodes around. So, anyways, um, it looks like we may have lost the other thing stuff, but, um, well, I guess we'll have to say, uh, bye. Having a fun time. (laughs) So, we back now? Yeah, um, I lost you guys completely for a little bit. I don't know what happened. W- w- were you talking? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it seems like yeah. you actually turned off your mic for once. <laughs> I tried really hard to turn it off. So, anyway, um, so have a big week, everyone. Yep. Uh, thanks for the show. <laughs>